أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمدا عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ما بعد Welcome to another episode of our tafsir page by page and inshallah ta'ala today we are on page number 26 of the Quran and that is in the second juz surah al-Baqarah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the previous episode and the previous page we mentioned that Allah Azzawajal speaks about the believers and the way that the people of understanding and Iman reflect upon the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, thus leading them to worship of Allah Azzawajal alone and to submitting to His command subhanahu wa ta'ala. And how the disbelievers are those who despite seeing them, those signs in the creation of Allah and the universe of Allah Azzawajal, they still take gods besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in worship. And how they're they will come on the on the day of judgment and Allah Azzawajal will punish them as a result and those gods that they worship besides him, they will disown them and they will disavow themselves of, of having any knowledge of what they used to do in worship besides Allah Azzawajal. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the conclusion of the last episode we mentioned, he spoke about how these are from the traps of shaitan, how shaitan commands evil and indecency and speaking about Allah Azzawajal without knowledge. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the beginning of page 26 in verse 170, Allah azawajal gives an example of speaking about Allah without knowledge. And it is one of the most common ways that the people and the nations of the prophets used to respond to them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ وَإِذَا قِيلَ لَهُمُ اتَّبِعُوا مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ قَالُوا بَلْ نَتَّبِعُوا مَا أَلْفَيْنَا عَلَيْهِ آبَاءَنَا أَوَلَوْ كَانَ آبَاؤُهُمْ لَا يَعْقِلُونَ شَيْئًا وَلَا يَهْتَدُونَ But when it is said to them, follow the message that Allah has sent down, they answer, we follow the ways of our forefathers. What? Even though their fathers understood nothing and were not guided? So one of the most common uh, responses, justifications, one of the most common arguments that all of the prophets and messengers received from their nations and their people is that we are following the ways of our forefathers. This is the religion that we found our parents and grandparents upon, and that is what we're going to stick with. You will find this in the stories of the Quran of the various prophets that Allah Azzawajal sent to the different nations of the earth, and you find this in the sunnah or in the seerah of our own messenger Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. How often did the Quraysh say to him, how can you disregard the religion of our forefathers? How can you say that what our forefathers were upon was falsehood. How can you say that you don't want to worship the gods that our fathers used to worship? And this is a common thing that they would do. For example, as is mentioned in Sahih al-Bukhari, when the Prophet ﷺ came to his uncle Abu Talib on his deathbed, and Abu Talib had not accepted Islam, and the Prophet ﷺ said to him, Oh my uncle, say La ilaha illallah, a statement that if you say it, I will use it on your behalf in front of Allah Azzawajal. Meaning say that, and the rest, inshallah, I can do by interceding on your behalf in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
and the likes of Abu Lahab and Abu Jahl and others from the leaders of Quraysh were also by the deathbed of Abu Talib. And they said to him, will you leave the religion of your father, your grandfather? Will you go away from the religion of Abdul Muttalib and forsake everything that he stood for? And so Abu Talib at the end remained upon the religion of his forefathers. That pull of ancestry, that pull of lineage, that pull that surely if if I disregard what they're doing, it means that they never, they had no knowledge or they were upon falsehood or what they did was all wrong. That is a pull that is extremely strong. And most of us, even till today, are still upon this. We're very happy to go with what our parents do. And what is interesting is that often you will find young people when it comes to the careers that their parents chose, you know, their way of life in general, the aspects of dunya and so on. A lot of them like to, or a lot of young people usually like to take a different path whether it's a form of rebellion or whether it's a form of just like, oh, this is the norm and I want to do something different or I don't just want to follow in my father's footsteps or my mother's footsteps. I want to try something different and unique, different experiences, new uh, new experiences and so on. But when it comes to religion, we're very happy to stick to what is just the culture and the norm and to stay within that bubble. Even though the aspects of the dunya matter less, as we know, than this aspect of worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you find the same mindset even amongst Muslims. If you come to someone and say that practice that you're doing is a practice of disbelief, kufr. Or that practice that you're doing is a bid'ah, it's an innovation. Or what you're doing is wrong. It's something which you shouldn't be doing. One of the common things that you will find people will say is that, well, our parents taught us this. We've been doing this since we were kids. My grandparents used to do this. This is all we've done in our family. I don't know anything else. Are you telling me that my parents for 50 years didn't know what they were doing? They don't know their religion. And people take this off onto a different route. And so Allah is telling us here that this type of thinking is incorrect. Because number one, there is no guarantee that your parents are upon guidance. Allah didn't guarantee that for anyone, that their parents are upon guidance. Number two, that even if they are upon uh, even if, uh, therefore, if are, there's no guarantee that they are upon guidance, then number two, surely that means that you have to find your own path. You have to go and make sure that what you are doing is correct and in, in terms of the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You will not be asked about them, they will not be asked about you. You will not be held to account for them and they will not be held to account for you. And therefore, a person has to think for themselves and realize for themselves. And so Allah Azza wa Jalla is saying that when the prophets of Allah would come with these messages, they would say, this is not what we found our forefathers upon. Allah Azza wa Jalla says, what if they weren't guided? What if they didn't understand? What if they were upon disbelief? It is not a, a justification and an excuse in front of Allah Azza wa Jalla on Yawm Al-Qiyamah to say of Allah, this is what I found my father and mother upon and I followed them. So you go and speak to them. It's not a valid justification, not a valid justification in terms of issues of Iman, disbelief and Iman, nor is it a valid justification in terms of a Muslim saying that I did these practices that were wrong, incorrect against the principles of the Sharia because my forefathers were upon them. My parents were upon them. I heard this in a lecture or what it may be. And so Allah is telling us to be aware of this. Those people who disregard knowledge, disregard, for example, uh, proofs and evidences, disregard the teachings of the Qur'an and the Sunnah, Allah Azza wa Jal compares them, uh, in particular, obviously, in first instance, it is about the disbelievers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala compares them to the one who, the farmer or the herdsman who's calling animals, that only hear sounds and they don't really understand the words that are being said. They recognize the intonation of the voice. They recognize there's a sound emanating from this man. But does the animal understand the farmer? Does the animal come and, and have a conversation? Can he understand 
intricately what is being said? No. And so Allah Azza wa says in verse number 171, وَمَثَلُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا كَمَثَلِ الَّذِي يَنْعِقُ بِمَا لَا يَسْمَعُ إِلَّا دُعَاءً وَنِدَاءً صُمٌّ بُكْمٌ عُمْيٌ فَهُمْ لَا يَعْقِلُونَ Calling to disbelievers is like the herdsmen. The example of the ones who call the disbelievers is like the example of the herdsmen who calls to things that hear nothing but a shout and a cry. لَا يَسْمَعُ إِلَّا دُعَاءً وَنِدَاءً A shout and a cry. Indeed, they are deaf, dumb, and blind, and they understand nothing. The example of the one who hears the statements of Iman, hears the Quran, hears the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, hears that this is the path that is leading to Allah and these are the signs of Allah and the evidences of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and they disregard that, is like the animals who hear their farmer, their herdsman calling them, and they don't understand anything but they hear sounds. They can hear the sounds and they may follow those sounds or follow some of those instructions, but they don't comprehend what's being said. So likewise, when it comes to the disbelievers, they hear the sound, meaning that Allah has established the proof upon them. They have no excuse on Yawm Al-Qiyamah that they didn't know, that they didn't hear. But as for taking that information, taking those sounds and comprehending them and understanding them, that is something which they don't have the ability to do. And so therefore in the Quran, when Allah says that this is the example of the disbelievers, then therefore we understand by necessity that the believers are the ones who don't possess those attributes. The believers are the ones who not only understand or, or hear the, 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 the cry and the shout, but they understand the words that come with it as well. When the Quran is being recited, they try to understand what Allah is saying. They try to comprehend and they try to apply it in terms of their lives. And likewise with the guidance of the Prophet that is the difference. So one can just read or hear, but they don't really comprehend, and so therefore they don't do anything with the knowledge. And the other one hears as well, but they also comprehend. They also understand. They also internalize, and they therefore apply the rulings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah azza wa jal, as we mentioned in the previous episode, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave a command to mankind in general that they should eat from that which is halal and pure. And in verse 172, Allah Azza wa Jal gives a similar command, but this time for the believers. For mankind in the previous verse, in the previous episode, the command was to eat for, from the halal for all of mankind, and therefore to stay away from the footsteps of shaitan. This verse about the believers says that when we eat from that which Allah Azza wa Jal has provided to us from the halal and the tayyib, that which is pure, it should be a means of us coming closer to Allah Azza wa Jal by, ways, by way of gratitude and worship. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu kunu min tayyibati ma razaqanakum mashkuru lillahi in kuntum iyyahu ta'budun. O you who believe, eat the good things that we have provided for you and be grateful for to Allah azza wa jal if it is indeed him that you worship. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as we mentioned in the last episode commands us to eat what is good, what is pure, what is halal, what is lawful. And what is pure meaning that the means that are used in order to attain it, the way that it's cooked, the way that it's attained, the way that it's sourced is also something which is pure and good. And Allah says, مَا رَزَقْنَاكُمْ That which we provided you from, from the greatest attributes of Allah and His greatest favors upon us, is that He is the one who provides for us. The rizq of Allah As Allah says in Surah Hud, وَمَا مِن دَابَّةٍ فِي الْأَرْضِ there is not a single creature upon the earth except that Allah sustains it and provides for it. 
So Allah has given us the ability to eat. And Allah has made for us food that we can enjoy. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the vast majority of it halal and permissible for us to consume. When we eat from that food, we should make shukr of Allah and thank Him. Thank Him in terms of verbally thanking Allah, praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, making the du'as before and after eating, saying alhamdulillah. That is from the gratitude of Allah. From the gratitude of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to speak and remember about the blessings that Allah bestowed upon you. That Allah has favored you with food. That you open your fridge or you open your larder and your cupboards at home and you find it filled with different varying types of food. At the same time, when there are many people around the world, as we know, Muslim and non-Muslim, that are suffering from hunger and poverty, that go from meal to meal not knowing where the next one will come from, that will survive on the bare minimum because they have no other recourse to finding any provision. Allah Azza wa has favored you. And from the shukr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His gratitude, is that then you use that food in order to worship him subhanahu wa ta'ala. Use it as a means, the energy that you get, the, the nourishment that, pro, that is provided for you by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should be a means through which you come closer to Allah azza wa jal by doing more ibadah, doing more good, looking after your family, providing for them, doing what is halal and staying away from what is haram. And so we use food that is halal and pure. And we thank Allah Azza wa in a way that is befitting. And then we use the, if you like, the, the after effect or the end result of that food, which is the nourishment and energy that it provides to further worship Allah Azza wa As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in kuntum iyahu ta'budun, if it is him that you indeed worship. In verse 173, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then mentions to us the foods that are not allowed. As we said, generally speaking, everything that Allah has given to us by way of food and drink is permissible. It is lawful. Instead, what Allah does is He makes the exceptions of what is haram, and therefore everything else remains lawful. As opposed to the other way around, that everything's haram, and then Allah lists every single type of food that is halal. Can you imagine? Because in the time of the Prophet in Arabia, Mecca, Medina, they had very limited exposure to different types of food. And so for Allah to list all the types of food that would come and emerge later on, for example, in our time, you know, the very many types of dishes and desserts and foods that are available in the cuisines of the world are so vast and so many and so different and unique that in the time of the Prophet ﷺ to list them all and say all of these are halal and anything not mentioned in this list is haram, that is something which is the wrong way of going about this issue. And that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in these types of affairs makes it easy for us. He says everything is halal, but you have this list of the handful of things or whatever it may be, this list of a few dozen things, that is the haram. And that will apply in every time and place and age. Everything else therefore is halal. What you do with those ingredients, the different types of foods and dishes and cuisines that you make, that's all halal because it's taken from all the ingredients that are halal. And so from that which is haram, Allah Azza wa mentions in verse 173, Allah says that he has forbidden for you carrion. Carrion meat is an animal that dies of its own accord, meaning that it wasn't slaughtered in the name of Allah Azza wa slaughtered for the purposes of eating meat with the, with the uh, requisite etiquettes and, and, and uh, laws and commands that we know that goes into dhabh and, and slaughtering according to the sharia law. Carrion is, for example, you go and you find an animal that just died, died of old age, died of disease, died of whatever, uh, whatever particular, you know, whichever way, it has died without being ritually slaughtered. That is called meita. 
it is a dead animal and therefore it is not permissible for you to eat. What them? Flowing blood. It is not permissible for the Muslims to eat flowing blood or drink from flowing blood. The exception to this would be, number one, the remnants of blood that you find sometimes in meat. For example, you have a steak or you have some meat. Sometimes you will find remnants of blood. That small trace amount of blood is something which is allowed because it is something which is part of the meat that you take from the animal. And likewise, as the Prophet told us, وسلم, the organs of the animals that we eat, so for example, the heart, the liver, the kidney, there is blood within some of these organs, and that is also therefore permissible. The third thing that Allah has made haram is lahm al-khinzir, pig's meat, in any way, shape or form, pork, bacon, ham, whichever form it is made or cooked or, or served and prepared, it is all haram. وَمَا أُهِلَّ بِهِ لِغَيْرِ اللَّهِ And animals over which other than Allah's name has been invoked, meaning that they have been sorted to other than Allah Azza wa Jalla, idols or gods besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so that animal is also therefore haram to eat, even if the animal itself is an animal that we would normally be permissible, it is allowed for us to eat. So for example, a cow or a sheep, it is permissible to us from eat, to eat from that meat. But if the way that it is prepared, meaning the way that it is slaughtered, is not in accordance to the sharia, then it is not allowed. If someone slaughters that animal to an idol or a god besides Allah, it now becomes haram. Not because of the essence of the animal, but because of the preparation and slaughter methods. And Allah Azza wa elsewhere in the Quran, for example in Surah Al-An'am, will give more details of this, and we find a number of hadith of the Prophet Wasallam concerning other types of animals and other types of meats that are considered to be haram, and likewise obviously drinks as well. But here Allah Azza wa gives us these four categories, as an example of the things that you stay away from. And as we mentioned before, that the physical nourishment plays a part in the way that we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in terms of our deeds being accepted, our du'as being responded to, but also because the more that you engage in haram, in your food, in your drink, in the way that you're nourished, it is more likely then that you are going to go onto other forms of haram by way of other deeds. And if you're someone who's diligent, you're constantly mindful, as the Muslim should be, that every time you pick something up that is food that you're unfamiliar with, you look at the ingredients and you want to make sure that it's devoid of alcohol and pork and, and all of those different things that we know in our religion is haram, we stay away from them. That level of diligence, that level of care, it is an act of worship that Allah, Allah Azza wa rewards you for. And if you're diligent in your food, then inshallah ta'ala you are diligent when it comes to other aspects of halal and haram. Allah Azza wa then gives in verse 173, continuing with this verse, the exception to that rule. The above categories of pork and blood and so there is an exception to that rule, and that is, فَمَنِ غَيْرَ وَلَا عَادٍ فَلَا إِثْمَ عَلَيْهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ But if anyone is forced to eat such things by hunger, rather than desire or excess, he commits no sin. Indeed, Allah Azza wa is of forgiving, most merciful. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that there is an exception to this rule. And that is the exception of the one who is in a state of dire need. Someone, for example, is in the middle of a desert, they're lost. And they have no food and no drink. And then they come across an animal that is carrier meat, it died of its own accord. It is permissible for them to eat from that meat for as much as their ability or as much as they need in order to survive. Because that is what Allah Azza wa has made halal. And so you don't actively go out looking for that type of food. Nor do you actively go, and that is what Allah says, you don't do it out of desire or excess. It's not something which you want to do, or you put yourself in that position, or when you're given that opportunity, you gorge upon it and gorge it, and, and you say, no, for the next three days, this is all I'm going to... You don't want to excess in these types of issues. But Allah from His mercy, 
as we know in our sharia, that in times of extreme hardship and difficulty, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made certain things allowed for necessity. So certain things which would normally be haram are allowed, and that is from the mercy of Allah azza wa And obviously the details of this can be found further in the books of fiqh, and this isn't really the place or the time for us to go into that detail. Allah azza wa continues in verse 174, and he says subhanahu wa ta'ala, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَكْتُمُونَ مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ مِنَ الْكِتَابِ وَيَشْتَرُونَ بِهِ ثَمَنًا قَلِيلًا وَيَشْتَرُونَ بِهِ ثَمَنًا قَلِيلًا أُولَئِكَ مَا يَأْكُلُونَ فِي بُطُونِهِمْ إِلَّا النَّارَ وَلَا يُكَلِّمُهُمُ اللَّهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وَلَا يُكَلِّمُهُمُ اللَّهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وَلَا يُزَكِّيهِمْ وَلَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ As for those who conceal the scripture that Allah sent down, and they set it for a small price, they only fill their bellies with fire. Allah says those who, who conceal the knowledge that Allah has given to them in the book. And obviously this is first and foremost speaking about the disbelievers, the Jews and the Christians, the people of the scripture, but even amongst the Muslims, if someone wants to do this. And they sell it for a small price, meaning they buy the dunya for the akhirah. Because the whole of the dunya is a small price, even though it is something which in our time, you know, for us in this in this world, is is something which is you know extremely valuable. It is something which is priceless. But when it is compared to the hereafter, it is an extremely small price. To buy your akhirah with the dunya, or to buy the dunya for your with the, with your akhirah, it is something which Allah says it is a small price. The people who do this, Allah says, they only devour fire in their bellies. And this is the connection, and Allah knows best, to the previous verses. Allah is saying, stick to the halal. Eat from the halal, stay away from the haram. Those people, Allah is saying, that it's not just about the physical nourishment, but rather the other things that people do. So they sell Allah's revelation and His guidance and, and, and the, the, the knowledge of the scriptures. They sell it for the, for the world, for the dunya. And when you sell something for the dunya, what you receive is worldly monetary benefit. What will you do with that monetary benefit? You will feed yourself with it, clothe yourself with it, surround yourself with it. Allah Azza wa says, in reality, therefore, they only devour the fire. And Allah Azza wa says, وَلَا يُكَلِّمُهُمُ اللَّهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Those are the people that Allah will not speak to on the day of judgment. وَلَا يُزَكِّيهِمْ Nor will He purify them. وَلَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ And they will have the worst of punishments. And that is because they have given up what is revelation, what is the benefit of the Akhirah? What is the reward of Allah Azza wa Jal? They gave it up for the paltry sum of the dunya. And that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in verse 175, Allah Azza wa Jal mentions this in even more stark and, and, and clear terms. Allah Azza wa Jal says, These are the ones who exchange guidance for error, forgiveness for torment. They have bought guidance sold guidance and they have bought misguidance with it. And they sold the forgiveness of Allah and instead they bought the punishment of the fire. And that is why the people of the of Iman are always told to be patient. Always told to be patient that yes, even if the dunya is difficult and hard, yes, even if you struggle, even if you go through many challenges and hardships, tests and trials, be patient. Because what you are attaining and what you are buying and purchasing with this patience and steadfastness and sacrifice, you are buying the akhirah. 
and you abide the forgiveness of Allah Azza wa Jal and the pleasure of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. Don't be those people who are short-sighted, who can only think in terms of immediate gratification, that everything they want it must be now in this world, and they want to enjoy it to the max, to the, uh, to the most of their ability. That's what they want, and they will do anything by hook or crook to attain that. So if it means sending the Akhirah, it means sending guidance, it means just, just engaging in haram, they will do so. And that is why Allah Azza wa Jal concludes verse 175 by saying, فَمَا أَصْبَرَهُمْ عَلَى النَّارِ What makes them so patient in the face of the fire? Meaning that every type of guidance they're giving away, they don't want. And every type of misguidance and evil they're embracing. And the end result of that is the fire. So they're willing to be patient and steadfastness over something or upon something, which ultimately will lead them to the fire of hell and Allah's punishment. So therefore, shouldn't the believer be more patient, more steadfast when it comes to attaining what is essentially Allah's reward and His blessings on Yom Al-Qiyamah. The believer should be more willing to sacrifice for what is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than the disbelievers who are willing to sacrifice and remain steadfast upon what will ultimately be the fire. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala concludes this page in verse 176. Allah azza wa says, ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ نَزَّلَ الْكِتَابَ بِالْحَقَّ this is because Allah has sent the scripture with the truth. And those who pursue differences in the scripture, they are indeed deeply entrenched in opposition. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that we have sent down to you the truth. The truth that you have with you in the book. The truth that was given by, at the hands of the Prophet wasallam. As for those who disbelieve, those who differ when it comes to revelation, those who differ and they pursue the differences of the scripture, they will always be in opposition to that which Allah Azza wa has revealed. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us to remain steadfast and patient upon good, upon worship, upon submitting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and don't be, don't be misguided, don't be, uh, don't be entranced by those people uh, who look as if they are enjoying the dunya and they're enjoying all of the beauty of the dunya, as the Prophet told us Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Allah has given to them the few pleasures of the dunya and Allah has saved for us the pleasures of the akhirah. And that's why we know as is mentioned in the hadith that this world is described as being the prison of the believer. The prison of the believer. It is said that one of the people came to one of the scholars of the past and he was a disbeliever and he was poor. And the Muslim scholar was someone who was wealthy. So he said, how can you say that this prison is or this life is the prison of the believer when you you seem to be enjoying it more than I am, and so the scholar responded and he said it is a prison for me in comparison to that which Allah has prepared for the believers on Yom Al Qiyamah, and it is a paradise for you in comparison to that which Allah has prepared for the disbelievers on Yom Al Qiyamah, and so we are patient upon the hardship of the dunya in the hopes that Allah Azza will give us His eternal blessings and reward. May Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala grant that to us and our parents, our children, and our families, and all of the believers. Barakallahu feekum wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim.